This is Chat Dragon, a talk show and actual play podcast about sci-fi, fantasy, and the world's most beloved game of make-believe, Dungeons and Dragons. My name is Jared, and I'm your host. I am a newspaper reporter by day and a dungeon master by night. I decided to start this podcast for purely selfish reasons, and that is to have a reason to talk to interesting people about interesting topics all through the lens of D&D. Each episode, I talk to friends, family members, and tabletop role-playing creatives about this beloved hobby. The conversations are driven by dice, and the games driven by our imaginations. This is uh, Jared from the Chat Dragon Podcast. I'm back again with Dr. Ian Borton from Aquinas College. Uh, Ian and I just wrapped up our actual play for the Sidekick campaign. Um, Ian, how did you think it went? I was uh, very appreciative that I was able to get Marigold out of uh, prison, out of the jam that he was in, uh, and leave him uh, free and clear uh, with his with his paperwork. See that that feels like a real win right right there that he's got his uh, his warrant or, or information and and escaped. How does uh, I guess you know you've played D and D before, unlike our past guests they don't have as much experience as you so how does marigold compare to previous characters you've played is he uh i guess or what type of characters do you like to play in D typically yeah he's not like a typical character that i would play i've had just three characters that i've played a lot and then you know some one shots or some things at conventions or whatever i've played were in character for two or three days the three characters that I've played for a while, the first was a um, human monk, second was a human bard, and then currently I'm playing a gnome uh, witch. She's a little necromancer. And so those are my three big characters. And so, so Marigold as a, as a fighter and kind of a brawler and a protection hireling sidekick is, is quite different from any of those. Cool. So what do you kind of make of the, I guess, how do you feel now being able to kind of contribute to this character's story? Um, since he's kind of not your character forever, do you feel like you've kind of set out, accomplished what you set out to do this evening with him? Uh, I mean, I set out, I didn't set out to do anything with him other than uh, have fun and, and play him well and hopefully play him well and play him true to what had been set up for him. Once I saw that we were starting in a prison uh, that that begs to be gotten out of, you know, it's uh, the scenario sets itself up. And so I always had one eye toward how am I going to get out of here? Um, but also not wanting to be a bad guy, like not wanting to make it worse for himself and inadvertently uh, did just that by getting sent to solitary. Yeah. He, he kind of was forced to make some bad, do some bad things, whether he, I guess, wanted to or not, you know? So did you feel conflicted about that? that? I think in that, I think in that moment, that's his go-to is to fight when he's when his backup is against the wall, he didn't want to confront Rudy initially. Didn't really want to fight Saint Josephine, but when when not given much of a choice, he's gonna scrap because that's where he's found the, those strengths already. 
Um, so we talked a little bit in the last episode. Um, you said you kind of got started in role-playing games playing, was it Midgard? Is that correct? It was called Morp. Nope. Yeah, Middle Earth role-playing. Yeah, MRPG, Middle Earth, whatever it was. Okay, um, so... And it was a, yeah, and it was like a D100 system. How does that, uh, I guess, system, I guess, why was that your first system? Was that your choice, or that's was what that... Because that's what the, no, that's what the DM was playing. Okay. Is that, and that, like... and that was before 5e anyway, I think. It was, it was certainly before I was playing 5e. Okay. What's your preferred system now? You don't have to, like, if it's not D&D, that's fine. You can say whatever. No, so. it, it, it is. It certainly is. 5e is where I know. So D&D 5th edition is the one that I know best. Um, I've played the most and, and like it and like it quite a bit. Not that it's a, a flawless system, but I enjoy it. And I, and I think I have enough to make it useful for what I want to do. Um, I don't mind bending the rules or in the spirit of what we're trying to do. And you said you're a DM too. So when you DM, are you, uh, are you kind of more like open to, are you more of like a story kind of guy or are you more of like a systems guy where you like to fiddle with systems and have things, I guess like set, do combat and stuff. Like how do you describe your DM style typically? Uh, how do I describe it? I don't, Try to make fun first. Try to use the rules to explain what's happening. But I'm much more story driven and story focused and character driven. I like the theater. I like the improv aspect of it. I like the collaborative nature of it. I like that it's people that at its best is people sitting around a table enjoying each other's company um, in this very unique way. So if I I want to facilitate that, I want to facilitate that spirit with music and candles and immersion into that as best I can create that simultaneity of enjoyment. Um, I like being surprised. I like being surprised by what my players do and what they get into and enjoyment of rolling with that, even if that's not what I was necessarily planning. It usually, it usually means that I over plan, but that's okay. It's it's just daydreaming for me. So I, I so I enjoy even that part of it. Do you, it sounds like you use a lot of props and stuff, were you, and you said you liked the theater of it, so when you were growing up, were you involved in theater, were you an actor, or anything like that? Uh, I was in high school and in college, but I didn't major in theater, and I never did community theater or uh, acting professionally. I did radio for a number of years, and that was kind of performative too, and then, as you mentioned, I'm a communication professor, and so... There's there's some performance aspect of that in talking about how you use your voice well or craft a character or engage a listener and and what that means to listen to people because I think that's a lot of it too and one of the skills that I see D and D helping people work on is attentively listening to others and both speaking when called upon to do it and listening a lot of the time listening. Probably, unless it's a one-on-one, listening more than you're speaking. So I guess I'm kind of wondering, what is uh, 
like what is the communications what is the the field of i mean i know what the word communication means but what is like the field of communications or the study of communications exactly because i could it's say good. i work i could say i work in communications because i'm a newspaper reporter but i guessing it's not the right that's not the way you use that word there are there are lots of programs that are communication and journalism combined so they're not that mm -hmm. far apart necessarily but um you're right the field of communication when you hear that it can connote a lot of different things depending on the university you're at at aquinas our program is very uh geared toward uh, teaching the social scientific um methodology of studying communication and looking at turning students who are interested in communication or major or minor in communication into people who are um, professional and understand research and data and statistics and understand new media technologies and, and mass media and social media. So we gear our students toward that as opposed to other schools that might look at rhetoric or they might look at um, more anthropological or qualitative communication. Um, professors and the faculty in the department are more are more geared toward looking at communication as as a studyable phenomenon, kind of like a sociologist or a psychologist. Okay, so where where does like your your focus at exactly in terms of communications? Because as a professor, you have to probably do continuously be researching, providing. I, I'm assuming, based on the professors I've known in the past, they have to constantly be doing projects and what have you. So where's your uh, focus or interest lie? Well, that's where that's where I'm uh, really lucky in that I can use my interest in d and d and passion for that uh, to do those kinds of projects. So currently, my my most current research is about using Dungeons and Dragons as a teaching tool. Uh, prior to getting into that, my the thing I knew most about was probably conflict and mediation. I was a court mediator in Michigan for years and worked with the Dispute Resolution Center of West Michigan for years, and uh, probably know the most about it or published the most stuff about that. Um, but now I'm really starting to look at gamification and how we use games as a teaching tool and learning more about that. So I'm getting started in, in that kind of area of research. How how did when you're researching that? How do you uh, how do you research something like that? Do you have to set up like control studies or something like that? This is your brain on role playing. This is your brain not on role playing. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're 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 right there. You're exactly right. Pre tests and post tests and control groups that are in uh, more traditional communication interpersonal classes, and then groups that are in a gamified condition, and they go through a class that is structured in such a way where it uses game mechanics and the mechanics of Dungeons and Dragons to reinforce the course concept. And then we look, you know, the beginning of the semester to the end, how do students learn differently? How do they process conflict differently? Are their personalities changed in any way from participating in this condition versus that? It's preliminary, but that's, yeah, but that's what we're doing. What's the, I mean, maybe you can't say, but is what's the preliminary data say? Is it positive or? Negative or? Well, hmm, you're may maybe I can't say. Maybe I have to say, oh, you have to wait until the research article gets published. I will say that. I'll say you have to wait until the research gets published because I'm just I'm just now 
crunching the numbers this semester or this summer with uh with another researcher with a student researcher at Aquinas. Well, I I don't know if this would be of interest or help to your research, but are you familiar with the like D and D in the prison system situation? No, no. So so I uh, I saw a, it was like a mini documentary. It was about how prisoners like D and D the cert, not all prisoners, but how D and D has kind of become more of a it's become an activity in prison. And it's usually, I guess, kind of frowned upon in certain prisons mm -hmm. because they want to just suck the life out of the people staying there. But it's a way for people to pass the time. And it. And I, I have a friend who had, you know, had been to prison, and I had asked him about it. I said, is that a real thing? And my friend is also extremely nerdy comic book guy. And he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, it's very real. He's like, we played it a lot in prison. Uh so people just make characters, and it's just sort of a way to make the whole experience more tolerable, apparently. So I don't know if that yeah. is of interest or help to your research, or if it's... Remember um, the name of the documentary? Uh, I don't know. But, uh, we'll link to it in the show notes. Yeah, we might have to do that. I'm seeing if I can look it up. Uh... I'd have to look for it if I'm being honest, but it was it was a thing that I remember. I, I have to check it out. And then I, you know, I spoke to another person who was in prison who wasn't maybe quite as nerdy, and I said, "Hey, is that a thing?" And he's like, "Yeah." He's like, "A lot of people play it," but he's like, "It was never really my thing to get into." Mm -hmm. He's more of a kind of like more of an athletic guy, lift weights and do that sort of thing. But he said it. He can kind of confirmed with me that it was also a thing where he was at as well. So. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting, and if so, I just I just watched uh, another indie documentary on Prime, all about the art of D and D. Oh, okay, that's cool. And how the modules were illustrated in first monster manuals, and all the all the artists that did those originally, they interviewed them, and it was cool. It was interesting. I'd probably watch that. I I find the history kind of interesting the kind of like the i don't know i'm trying to think what it was it's how it was kind of this like there's the satanic panic thing i don't know surrounding it i don't know if that's you working at a aquinas maybe i shouldn't invoke the name of satan but <laughs> i think we'll be okay i, I okay. They've, they've heard of him before they're, they're, okay. not, they're not scared <laughs> Okay, there's an Aquinas who's gonna blanch or, or pass out at the at the mention. No, 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 I'm just kidding. But you know, like the there is that whole era of the satanic panic and people, and I just think it's kind of interesting, like where the game started and where it is now. Because I hear a lot of people playing of a lot of people, they're like, "Hey, I first started playing this at my youth group," and <laughs> 20, 30 years ago, that would have not been the case. You would have been branded an outcast, maybe at your church, if you're doing that. So. Um, yeah, definitely just, possible. just the rise and fall I find interesting the artwork you know I think would probably tie into that as well so it sounds cool so I sorry I kind of go off on tangents though with my <laughs> yeah, well, that's how uh, that's how interviews happen right yeah I just know I'll for work I'll be interviewing somebody and then I'll just start asking them personal questions about stuff 
that is interesting to me that isn't related to the story. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, they probably don't want to hear this. <laughs> I talked to this psychologist once. He was a professor at MSU, and I was asking him all this stuff about not related to his... He was he won an award, and it wasn't mm-hmm. related to his award. It was just... I was just interested in his research. It was interesting. So, um, so Ian, what are um, besides D and D? What are some of your hobbies and work? I know you probably don't want to talk about work all the time either, if you're like the rest no, of the world. No, well, okay, no, I. So I just I just graduated in the spring from Aquinas with my bachelor's in Spanish. Oh, so congratulations! I just, I just, thank, gracias. I just so I just finished my second bachelor's degree. Uh, I, I'm married. I've got a ten-year-old uh, and two cats. In, in my free time, I'm really geared up for this camp right now. When I'm not doing that, I like movies. I like music. I've got a I've got this huge book that's like a thousand songs to hear, and I always like flipping through that and listening to new albums. We cook. I grill. We drink coffee. We talk. Mow the lawn today. I'm a very home home guy. Like. Home, home husband, you know, I do a lot of home home chores. Cool. So a thousand run. songs, a thousand songs you need to hear? Is that... Yeah, a thousand recordings to hear, I think is what it's called. Are you a big music fan then? Yeah, I am. I don't know that I know a lot about music, but I do like music a lot. Okay. I mean, are you someone, when someone asks you, like, hey, what do you like? Do you just say everything? Or do you no, have... No, in fact, like, that's one of my pet peeves. That's one of my pet peeves, too. I hate that. I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> Same thing with, like, what kind of movies do you like? Or what kind of food? Where do you want to go for dinner? And somebody says, I don't care, whatever. I, it, yeah, the pet peeve of mine. Oh, I, I just get it with the music thing. Because I always feel like if you say everything, you just mean top 40 pop music. And it's not like much, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just that it's not much of an answer when it comes to music. It's not much of an answer, period. Because it doesn't, in my judgment, it doesn't give the other person anything to talk about. Like if you say, I like everything, that doesn't, that doesn't actually, like if we're pretending like communication is like tennis, that doesn't actually hit the ball back to the other person. It doesn't give them any Sorry. new information or, or is that helpful in at least doing your part to carry on the weight of the conversation it's supposed to be polite people think it's polite and nice i find it to be yeah a a nothing a nothing word yeah although i don't know if you're this way but i've someone who's always had like strong opinions about what they like to the point where i probably had to like tailor like i had to like soften it a little bit like my conversation because it could be intense or it could be obnoxious. And I realize that people don't want to know. When people ask you how your day is, they don't want to know how your day actually is. They want to just move on from that exchange. So it's like I have to, people ask me about a band or something, they don't want to know like which album is there. Like they don't want me to go into like the details of like, why this album is better than that album by this band or this period or this lineup or whatever. So I, I don't know if that's how you are, but that's how I've, I found that I, I have, I, I've had to uh, be more like gentle with how I, my opinions. I and I think that's a, yeah, I think that's a matter of degrees. I think that's, 
a sign of learning to to speak as much as you know we were talking about this with the D and D like listening as much as you speak and I think if if I find myself getting too deep into something like that what happens is that I stop listening long enough to the other person that they stop listening to me if I'm really going that much into detail and they don't care about it and they don't look like they're interested they're probably not and I'm not Absolutely. doing enough listening on my part yeah exactly I I think. That's something I had to learn from being a reporter because it's not my job to, my job is to listen. It's not to be the interviewer or to be the interviewee. Sorry. Mm -hmm. So you have to be, yeah. So you said you have a son. How is, what's your son's name? Daughter. Daughter. Oh, okay. Daughter Daughter Posey. Her her name is Posey. Uh, And she is in her own D&D group, of course. (laughs) Awesome. Is she going to go to your camp? No, no, because the camp is for middle schoolers and high schoolers, and she's too young, too young. Oh, maybe after, maybe next year she'll be old enough. Okay. What's her so, uh, camp campaign about? Her, I, I'm running her through the starter set. I'm running her through Lost Minds of Fandelver, which is the D&D starter set campaign. And we and we have been running that campaign for a long time. Has it been fun though? Have you been enjoying it, or it's, is it? It's been great. It's been great. They've done so much, and it's and mostly for them. It's cat focused. Their their adventuring party is called the Cat Venturers. They rescue cats. Big missing thing in this game, other rather than being you know whatever it says in the in the starter set ending, is that their big mystery is what happened to all the large cats. There's no lions. There's no tigers. There's no panthers, and so they are. Hundred percent cat focused in this game. See, it's the only way I've hooked them. Hmm. How is DMing for or with kids different than DMing with adults? Do you find it more or less challenging? It's more challenging. It's more challenging. But also, at times, more I mean, more rewarding. But rewarding in the same ways. It can be rewarding in the exact same ways as it is with any group of people. And calls for a lot of adjustments i think as a dm to give to different groups because as much as you are not a player you are part of the group that is playing you need them and they need you and so you want to have fun too and so if as a dm you're trying to get adult type behavior out of a 10 year old you're probably going to be frustrated but if I go into a DM session or go into a gaming session with my daughter and remember that I'm DMing for four 10-year-olds, then it goes a lot better because I adjust my expectations and my asks of them and the way that I choose to DM in order to hopefully get fun, in order to get to fun, in order for all of us to have fun and play D&D. Gotcha. gotcha. My son is 11. Um, should have him come and say something to you in Spanish because he's fluent, but and I don't speak any of it. But um, oh, I find <laughs> he's my stepson. Uh, but he's he he used to go to a Spanish immersion school, and his whole family is uh, Mexican. So I'm always when we go to family gatherings. I I'm usually at a loss for words. <laughs> I don't really know 
the language. You gotta get well. yourself some. You gotta get some yourself some Duolingo, man. You gotta give Is yourself that... five minutes of Duolingo and and, well, and get, yeah. get, a, get a few words under your belt. I find that I I can remember stuff, but then I just lose it. Like I I was learning German when I went. I went to Germany for, on my thirtieth birthday, like three years ago. Mm-hmm. I learned. I was learning German just so I could read signs and stuff. Pretty much as soon as I got home, I forgot it all. Though I just, I just lost it. So, well, sure, you were only, you were only learning it to go to Germany. Of course, your brain was like, I don't need this anymore, and you weren't That's practicing true. it anymore. That's true. <laughs> but if you have this ongoing relationship, you're going to be using yeah. it or can use it. Yeah, I, I should, because we, you know, on New Year's we play Loteria, which is. Uh, Mexican oh, yes. Mexican bingo. I do. I do know Loteria. Oh, okay. Yeah, we play that, and I'm always. Um, I don't know what anybody's saying. They're all having conversations, and I'm sort of just sitting there counting my my pennies, uh, mm-hmm. trying to win the game. So. <laughs> I played Loteria two days ago. At my parents' house, really? believe it or not. Okay. So but are you? Are you called parents- Mexican bingo? Okay. I was going to ask if you had some sort of uh, Latin roots or anything like that. Well, my my mom picked up a She went to Mexico on like a school trip, a class trip, and brought it back and laminated it, and now she plays with the grandkids. Okay, cool. What made you decide to uh, learn Spanish? Was there persi- like something? Uh, I, that- liked to, I liked to travel a lot, and I had... Spanish in high school and a little bit in college and a little bit here and there between college and now. And at Aquinas, I could teach my classes and then I could go to Spanish class and just walk next door and go to Spanish class. And so I did a, I did a class every semester for the last four years or so and just now graduated. I feel as rewarding as when you got your other degrees, degree or whatever. Mm -hmm. Did it feel as rewarding? It felt good. It did not, it felt different. It did not feel as rewarding. It felt different, but it was, it felt very unique to be the only faculty member uh, in, in and amongst the rest of the graduates. It was good. That's good. I put my diploma up on my wall, my office. So I kind of want to ask you a little bit more about this what's the the prep been like i don't know if this will come out before or after your camp but i'm kind of curious i I can tell you about it and what's helpful about the campus that i'm planning to run it again next year on the last weekend of july so even if this doesn't come out until after the camp is done anyone listening to it will know that at least the plan is for them i'm planning to run it again next year and into the foreseeable future so whenever they listen to it i'm hoping that it's accurate but anyway so the prep for the camp has been good. It's been a lot of little decisions, uh, a thousand little decisions, uh, from outlining a schedule and a budget and then lining up the presenters and media and posters and then the uh, the moment when the tickets went live and then waiting for tickets to sell. and And that felt very exciting and nerve-wracking and then very full i sold out the the tickets for the camp this year which is 
fantastic. I'm really, I'm really blown away. So because of that, I have really high expectations about what it's going to be like, but I'm just hopeful that the, the campers that are coming, the adventurers that are coming are as excited about playing as, as I am and bring that kind of infectious spirit of, of nerds together, nerding out about a, a nerd thing that they love. Awesome. Um, I guess just sort of wrap, wrap up, uh, we'll just do a few rapid fire questions. I have, do you have that Owlbear Rodeo still up on your computer? No, I closed it. I closed it because okay. I figured we were going to need it. Oh, why? Well, do you have dice nearby? Or, or I can even roll for you. I have like a dice table. There's no way it. I'm going to let you roll for me. Hold on. I was, I was, I was, I right. Okay. Let me see if I can find them real quick. Okay, I went and got my official dice tray and my cool. DM dice. Great. You'll just need a D20. Okay. So I'll just have you uh, roll your D20. We'll do it uh, question by question. Uh, we'll do like three questions. So you'll roll once. I'll, I'll tell you the question, and then you can answer it. And then you roll again, and we'll do that three times. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. All right. The name for this segment where you make them roll three times. <laughs> savings okay so number eight eight okay uh what stereotypical group role does your character typically typically play in the party so if you're i don't know in your current campaign does he fulfill a stereotypical role the the mouth when when forced to forced when forced to speak she's really uncomfortable doing that yeah that would be the stereotypical role the mouth, you said? Mouth. The face, you know. Oh. Speaking oh, okay. speaking for the group. I see. Interacting with NPCs. Is that did you choose that kind of because of your background kind of communication? I definitely did with I definitely wanted that with my human bard that I played, but with this character I don't I don't want her to be that. But we just recently lost our the person that had fulfilled that very charismatic role. Okay. So I've had to... My character has stepped up more because he's gone. I see. Just someone died? or Very did they, much not uh... because... Oh, no, he just had to step away from the campaign for a minute. Oh, oh okay. I thought maybe his character died or something. Nope. Such, no, <laughs> no such luck. No, he's... All right, ready for question two? Right. Uh, what are you most excited for right now? Am I most excited for? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for I'm sure. guessing it's your camp. Although, 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 I am playing with my players Tuesday of this week, and I'm always very excited to play with them. And I have a special secret guest star that's coming in that none of them know about. Yeah, is it like a celebrity or something like that? What makes them? Yeah, the yeah, guest it's guest? um. It's you. It's you, Jared. Oh, thank you. Famous reporter. This is how I'm telling you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so I'm most excited about my D&D camp, but also about playing with my group this week. Yeah. Last, number six. Uh, if your role-playing character wasn't an adventurer, 
of some sort, what livelihood would they lead? Necromancer. Body stealing. Like, like, like she would be a, a hermit and be reanimating dead bodies and, and finding some way to, to move her soul around. Oh, nice. That's what she would most want to be doing is, is not, is not fighting off, uh, mind flares and, and evil gods. But she's an adventurer, and so that's what she's doing. See, are you typically drawn to like darker characters who like 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 necromancers or something like that? Relax, sir. She's my she's my she's my first, and I didn't even go into playing her initially as a necromancer. I was going back and forth between that and abjuration because she was when we started the campaign so scared and so fragile or felt so fragile that the idea of of casting force and and being hidden behind things and warded from danger was very appealing oh cool awesome uh how does this character i guess kind of rank amongst your other characters is this a favorite or uh or did you have a character before this you liked more Loved my character before this. Have you have you ever seen the movie Big Trouble in Little China? I love that movie. That's like one of my top five. I got the board game. So, so my my human bard was modeled after Kurt Russell's Jack Burton in that movie. So he was very charismatic and shiny and and not nearly as strong or tough <laughs> as he believed himself to be. But so he was that very brash and outgoing and. Handsome and blah blah blah. Cool, I like it. I like that movie. I like your choices of movies. That's a good one. So. Thanks. <laughs> and, and so and so the little and so the little gnome witch that I play now is nothing like that at all. And I didn't want her to be. I wanted her to be very different. But I'm always cool. thinking about who to play next. Cool. I haven't well, played but... because now because now I've played uh, Marigold and and sent him on his way. So I've I've ticked this one off my list too. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I'm curious to see where this guy goes. See what happens with him next. Um, Me too. I don't even know. I don't have uh, any control. I just kind of what happen. What happens happen. I know. That's that's one of the brilliant things about the game. Is that's. I mean, that's the fun of discovery for you too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And as the DM, you don't know where they're going to go or what they're going to do. Yep. Uh, I so super I super appreciate the opportunity. For the the podcast, yeah, uh, well, I I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, you know, uh, my third guest, so I'm just happy you took a chance on this, and you know, on a stranger, kind of sending you an email. I think it's so. the third time that it's going to get good. I think that you need to have you know you know like a trilogy. Like this is really when it's going to take off. Not that the first two weren't fantastic, they were great. Everyone should listen to those episodes too. But it's you know episode three, third guest. That's that's when the, the that's when the spike really happens. Have you ever done something like this before, where you played D and D for a podcast? No, never. You're, you'll be you think- so you'll be my first. Okay. Do you think it's something you're gonna want to do now yourself? Like to make my own podcast? Yeah. 
I'm too busy, Jared. No, you do this. I don't need to. I don't need to do this. You do this. I'm doing my own thing. I'll do. You know what? Tell every tell every one of your podcast listeners to come to my camp at Aquinas, and uh, put the link in the show notes and send them my way. But you know, you be the podcasting guru. I'll do my own thing. All right. So before I let you go, because um, I know it's getting late, but uh, do you have anything? Do you have social media links, websites? A book maybe you want someone to yeah, buy. Yeah, yeah. I'm on I'm on I'm on Twitter at Ian Borton. And you can uh, find me in my professional email and capacity on LinkedIn and at aquinas.edu. I'm in the communication department there. You can find uh, you can find a link to my book which came out this year. We didn't talk about that, but I I I looked it up because it was tagged in your email. Um, it's, it's there. It's all about it's all about mediation. It has nothing to do with D and D, but it has everything to do with mediation and conflict and the way that we uh, way that we do justice for people. Cool. If you're interested in those things, you should check out the the abstract at least. What's the book called? It's called Creating Restorative Justice. Where would someone get that? Our website. Oh, uh, find good booksellers or Googling creating restorative justice. And then my name and my co-author on that is, a uh, is the, as the Kansas, is a professor at Kansas state, uh, named Greg Paul. So Greg Paul, Ian Borton, creating restorative justice is the info cool. you'd need. I'm guessing it's like an academic book, probably. Right. So you are it's... guessing 100% correctly. <laughs> okay. So it might be on some, some course, some course, some course, course somewhere, some course somewhere where you have to buy my book to participate in your education. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming on the Chat Dragon podcast uh, this evening. I really appreciate you taking the time and playing D and D with me and chatting a little bit about stuff and listening to me rant about indifference and opinion, <laughs> people's indifferences oh, when you ask them questions. So. Oh, it was great. I, I look forward to uh, following the further adventures of Marigold and find out what happens to him. Well, see thank you next, so much. Uh, see if the next guest capitalizes on the on the excellent position I left him in. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Appreciate Have a good night. It.